You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. How's it, George? Good morning, Amal. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Eusebius. Good can morning. Can call me Lawrence. Uh, Lawrence can play me. Yes, yes. How are you doing? Lekas was a cracker. That's very good. That's very good. How are yeah. you? I- I'm very well, thank you. Um, are you glad that January is coming to an end? <laughs> Yes, but February is just around the corner. <laughs> I don't know, the creative side of these adverts, it's, you've got to really apply your mind. That's true. So, listen, I, I'm glad that you've chosen this as our first story because I don't understand these things. I'm intrigued both by the ownership structure of these various platforms, but also what their potential integration will mean for us experientially and for privacy. Yes, well, this is the thing. You see, now, if you're wondering what we're talking about, Mark Zuckerberg is the Facebook founder. Facebook owns uh, WhatsApp, they own Instagram, and they own Facebook, which includes Facebook Messenger. Now, a lot of us send billions. In fact, I mean, these three networks we're talking about have more than 2.6 billion users. And we're all sending messages to each other on different platforms. Now, Mark Zuckerberg was being interviewed by the New York Times last week, and it came out that he is, you know, busy planning and considering to merge the three instant messaging services together. So, in other words, you'd be able to, if you're a WhatsApp user, send a Instagram user a message, or if you're a Facebook Messenger user, send somebody on Instagram a message. So there's cross-pollination uh, between all of these things. Now, it's raised a lot of anger, uh, antitrust, uh, there's privacy, the security questions, and, and rightly so. Um, and, you know, the reason they want to do this, you know, we... we I suppose they want to get more data on us. They want to get more information on us, how we're using these different platforms, where we, where we are. And if you, if you notice in the last couple of months, I mean, the, the, the people who founded WhatsApp, for example, they've now left the company. So Facebook's undergoing some very interesting challenges right now. In fact, um, you know, there's news in just this week as well that uh, some research is showing that half of Facebook users Maybe false users or maybe fake users, something to that degree. But, you know, that's just research that's coming out. It still needs to be verified. But I think Facebook's facing some very interesting challenges. And uh, Mark Zuckerberg has basically said to the New York Times, and he's confirmed this, that he wants to make these three different platforms kind of merge into one so that you can send messages from one platform to another. And uh, What difference will it make to me practically as a user of individual platforms? Because you, you I see some people are saying, no, but you initially promised that you wouldn't. What, it, what are the upsides and the downsides? Well, exactly that. You know, they, they've, they've always said, and Mark Zuckerberg has always said, that they're all going to be standalone and they're going to be independent of each other. Um, and, and for him to come out with this revelation means only one thing, that, um, well, I suppose it's kind of a unified communication. I mean, if you look at the practicality of it, it's going to make you life a lot easier because you know you may not be on instagram but you want to send somebody a message so i think it's going to make a lot of people's lives easier but the motive behind it is something else they're going to get more information on us they're going to use that maybe maybe they'll have a more powerful platform to sell advertisers more information so if i come to you cbs and i say to you as an advertiser i say well you know i'm now combining all three platforms on one messaging service 
before you had to advertise on Facebook, on Instagram, and instant uh, messenger. Um, now I'm giving you 2.6 billion people access to that market, and I can charge you a different rate for your advertising. So, but but uh, you know, I think it's going to raise some serious concerns, and I think they're going to have a few hurdles to pass before they even consider this. Because um, believe me, uh, the antitrust people and the scrutiny which Facebook's going through in countries like Germany, for example, I don't know how far they're going to get with this approval. Mm. Well, that, that's interesting. So the business model may benefit, but yeah, I wonder also how effective our revolts would be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, but I must say, because, uh, I mean, you know, having a seamlessly integrated set of platforms that is easier to potentially sell to. And the reason why I'm pausing is I'm wondering whether it's obviously better for every advertiser to have an integrated set of platforms but let's assume that it is from an experience point of view as i as i said at the beginning or end of last year after my holiday each of these platforms have got very different things that they allow us to do aki on twitter versus aki on instagram and messenger on whatsapp on facebook you tap into different shades of of who you are and we sometimes cross-post, but there's also some content that live uniquely on each of the platforms because they don't quite fit the tonality, the functionality, and just the way in which a particular platform has evolved. So I even find myself now thinking, sometimes I'll post a picture both on Instagram and Facebook, and then there's some pictures or small little videos, for example, that I'll only put on Instagram. I'll put long posts on Facebook. Yes, you know what I mean? And there are certain conversations I'm prepared to have in WhatsApp, which I won't have in Facebook Messenger. So mm. we've become quite segmented in how we use it. And, and I wonder whether Facebook is thinking about this from our point of view. Well, I think they're thinking about that from that point of view. But also there's a lot of people that are not using Facebook and are just using Instagram, for example, or are not using any of the other two platforms and are just using WhatsApp. Imagine you've got different users all talking about the same subject, like food, for example, and McDonald's post a Big Mac picture of an advert across all three platforms at the same time. They're going to get a lot more uh, reaction from that post than, you know, targeting individual platforms. So I think that's where they're going with that. That's true. Um, what else have you got for me? Well, I tell you what, you, you know, uh, just on Facebook, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that there are less fake news stories appearing um, than there were a year ago, which is, which is a good thing, which Facebook's doing something good about that. And I see that YouTube is also now acting on this. And, you know, one thing that's irritated me about YouTube is sometimes you get a link on a suggestion to watch a story that's a blatantly false claim about historic events like 9-11, for example. Some people still dispute that and everyone's got their own conspiracy theories. But, you know, the, the world is, you know, the earth is flat and you've got a lot of stuff, including medical stuff. You know, you have these videos of people saying, if you take these tablets or if you do this treatment, uh, you get cured of this. And Facebook are now, uh, at least YouTube are now acting on this, and they are uh, imposing the violation of Next their community You see, that's exactly what I was talking about. You see, they're trying to dump this stuff on me. and That's <laughs> anyway. okay. You're so cool as a cucumber. Anyway, but, but the point is that, that now YouTube just announced the other day that they're going to be coming down quite harshly on these accounts that um, that 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 really spreading false information, including recipes. You won't believe how many recipes out there that claim to make a great paella, for example. It's completely false, you know. And they they draw you in 
uh, with with another story, and it's a completely different story on the actual platform, which is which is good news. And then the other story that I've got for you, which I find absolutely fascinating, you know, there's this massive thing going on between Huawei, which is a Chinese company, and and the West, and I include the USA, and I include the UK, Canada, Australia. Now, you know, you can't buy Huawei phones in America. Did you know that? You can't buy them. You can't buy them. You can buy no, Samsung. You don't want to go to America every five minutes. <laughs> well, and, and the reason for this, and actually, when I was on my last trip, we were Yesterday. actually at the oh no, it was last <laughs> month. We were actually at the Bloomberg um, head offices, okay, and they've got this massive newsroom. It's about a rugby field big, and we had one of their top editors, their chief technology editor, and I asked him and I said, "Do you believe that the Chinese may be spying on us uh, through Huawei?" And we were talking. It was at the time where the Huawei chief financial officer was arrested in Canada on charges, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and he said, "Yes." We, I do believe it. And this is all these networks that we've got all this information passing through. And, you know, the countries like the U.S., for example, U.K., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, they've become very suspicious about the equipment that they use. Huawei is a very reputable company that produces this networking equipment all over the place. We pr- probably use it in this building as well. Most network companies in this country are using it as well. So your phone, uh, whatever's going through your phone data-wise is probably likelihood that you know a large portion of the data is traveling through some kind of Huawei network and uh, and this is massive that's going in fact even the founder of Huawei who's been a very uh, quiet reserved guy you don't hear about him in the media he called the press conference there last week and he categorically denied that they're spying on any of the networks but it's become so bad at the moment because you must remember we're on the verge of transforming these networks into a new generation 5g hmm. is going to be massive and it's also very lucrative for companies like Huawei to lay out these towers. Country, companies like Vodafone, they, will, they are refusing to do business with Huawei. And it's the stalemate that's developing, which is really interesting to see how it's going to play out. In fact, uh, a company like Vodafone, for example, they, you know, Huawei um, wristwatches, they make a product like that. They've taken it off in the UK because of privacy concerns. Um, so I don't know where this is going. Huawei are saying we are denying that we are spying on the West. The West is saying, well, you've got to prove it to us. And up to now, there's been no specific proof to say this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they can switch on a lever and say that they can do it in future. And this is the concern that everybody has. And when you've got top secret information that's that's used by these networks, you've got AI, you've got really sensitive information, you don't want it getting into the hands of the wrong people. And that's exactly. what the West is afraid of. But I find this story uh, between Huawei and the West absolutely fascinating. And you've got to do some reading on it I because it's interesting. I don't know what I find more scary, China or the West. I don't know. I'm glad we're in the middle of the two of them. <laughs> but we're exactly. using both their networks, that's you true. see. That's true. Anyway, that's my story for the week. Lovely talking to you. Thank Mr. you, my friend. Ricardo. We'll do it again next week with developments in technology and society with Aki Anastasia.